The battle of Britain is about to begin. Welcome to another episode of Lead Pursuit Podcast. I know you're probably wondering, where the hell's Doug, right? Well, Doug couldn't join us tonight, so you're stuck with me, Brett. I've got some of my partners here. Steve, say hi. We got Lance Corporal, go fuck yourself. Say hi. <laughs> hey, everybody. <laughs> That's everyone, the new... Every, uh... Everyone's favorite shit stirrer. <laughs> you know what? I think... I think we really should do a segment somehow or a post or whatever where it's like, get to know Trevor so we can dismiss this, uh, you, this notion that you're a mean-spirited guy because you're really just misunderstood, right, Trevor? Uh, that's really nice of you to say that. I don't think I'm misunderstood. Well, maybe, depending on who you talk to. I mean, <laughs> Doug, I think, puts up with it. Because now he knows what headache I gave my command when I was in, in the Marine Corps. And, uh, yeah. So, if you want to get to know me, uh, take it, that, enter at your own risk. Okay. Well, do not well we love you here, Trevor. We love having you here. You're an important part of the team. So, uh, anyway. Oh, you don't need to lie to me. It's okay. <laughs> well, we're here today to talk some more about tournament list building so we had an episode where we talked about some stuff with list building and we're just going to kind of continue where we left off because it was a pretty good discussion but we got a little long so uh let's start like we normally do let's talk first our flight line what are you guys working on let's start with trevor uh so i just posted in the ready room i had a squad a squadron of the um of the bendy plastic 109e's lying around i was like yeah fuck it let me just paint these up and it's a paint scheme I've done a thousand. It feels like I've done a thousand times. I did it for Doug. I've done it for my other squadrons. I did it for my friend. Um, so I, I painted those up real fast. I had some um, decals lying around too, so I didn't have to buy new ones and slap those on. Did my uh, floor wash and got them done. And within like I don't know, two or three days, I knocked those out. And uh, I also have just random commission shit I'm doing. Um, no one wants to hear about me painting space marines which i'm sure you know doug wants to make fun of me for painting space marines but that's his problem um that's really about it i have uh i got a couple b17s primed up and ready to go and uh that's really about it um i i kind of thought i if I, i almost wanted to open up the box of mig alley that i have but i don't want to paint metal planes because fuck that um and uh, waiting on those Panthers from Doug that I can get those painted up and uh, get some decals on them and paint. Because I'm going to do them in uh, the same squadron that flew in uh, Toko Re. Man, that's going to look it. so awesome. Those 109s look sweet. And I, is, uh, is Steve doing those decals for you? Uh, yeah, I messaged him on them. And, you know, whenever he gets around to them, and, uh, you know, no rush on that between packing up the house, moving the house, and procrastinating on everything else. So no rush on those, but I'm looking forward to getting those uh, getting those done and testing out some sweet missile rules. Nice. Well, we had a little bit of technical issues, and Steve dropped off. Uh, say hello, Steve. Hey, guys. I'm back. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> well, we moved on to uh, what's on the flight line. What are you working on? Anything you're painting right now? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I'm working on... Uh, that one 200 scale RC-135 that I feel like I've been working on for about a year now, finally getting the wings on it. And uh, also doing uh, painting up some bombers. So getting a little bit of hobby time in besides just uh, making stuff for other people. So it feels pretty good. That's cool. I'm working on some 109Fs, some 
ROC109Fs that look really nice, the tropical filters, and I've just about got those done. My challenge, I'm not getting any one thing done quickly because I'm actually painting like three different sets of planes all at one time, so everything's in kind of different stages. But the 109s are nearly done, and I'll probably finish them this weekend. And I've got some gladiators from Malta going on and some other stuff, so I've been pretty busy. Not every single day, but certainly every weekend I've been making some good progress, so I'm, I'm happy. In, even in my... In my temporary space here, I'm getting some stuff done. And I think pretty soon I'm going to get on to some, some more JU88s from Malta. So I'm cranking some stuff out. How are you going to paint up those uh, 109Fs? Are you, are you doing those like North Africa scheme or Malta scheme? Yeah, Malta scheme. So they kind of look, I don't know, conventional green splinter camouflage. Um, oh, nice. That, they're not that, like, that camouflage looks really good on those planes, man. Yeah, I've seen the like other that. ones. So yeah, I've, I think once these are complete, I'll probably have painted nearly, literally every <laughs> a plane for every German plane that flew over the over Malta. At this point, it's kind of a problem, but whatever. <laughs> problem, obsession, addiction—you know, it's all the same. Right, right. Cool. Well, um, Intel update. You guys see anything new that's been that's been released or is out? in the community some kind of third-party item or anything like that have you seen anything new dude i'll tell you what last happy hour on friday uh a lot of talk about flat targets uh some really cool flat targets out there some flat ships some flat tanks and i think uh either blue falcon or lead pursuit podcast is going to strike a deal for some neoprene flat targets that should work really really well for airstrike so super excited about that Oh, that's right. I was super geeked about that. One of the guys that joined us at happy hour turned us on to some, some, I, you know, forgive me, I don't know the names. You probably know Steve. But the concept is there's some games out there that require chits, right? And they're chits of targets and vehicles and stuff like that. And so they don't make the chits, but they make the artwork for the chits with this idea that you purchase like a PDF or some kind of file from them, you print them out, and you play, right? Well, what if you could use that artwork to make a neoprene or some other thing for your own uh, blood red skies table right so we use targets for ships and rolling stock like tanks and tank convoys and truck convoys and ground targets of different types so you know you could go the route of doing stupid stuff like putting together three-dimensional targets that you build yourself and paint and all that but what if you just had a simple flat cool looking thing kind of like how we do flat nice looking mats to represent malta or wherever same concept but for your targets uh and we were kicking around like maybe the highest order would be yeah go ahead do your 3d targets but you know sometimes they're cumbersome because when you get all the planes right on top of the target right doesn't it get kind of in the way you could put that flat target underneath your cool 3d target if you have gone so far and want to hobby up some nice looking 3d targets well you just remove the 3d target when it becomes a problem and you've got your flat thing that you could planes almost right well literally right on top of i don't know all the way around i think that's an awesome thing to explore that's awesome i almost forgot about that the only other thing i think i saw uh besides i know you guys are talking about that um i think who is it roman put out the that wildcat um recently for plane printer or whatever his patreon is or whatever um yeah that's right yeah yeah i mean i I looked, I was like, well, let me go through, I don't have a 3D printer, and I was like, yeah, look at Shapeways, and it's like 60 bucks for, nope, forget that, to paint, you know, to print six planes, even though I'm really just waiting for whenever the re-release comes out, and, you know, to help more so to, lo to support my local store. Um, I, I had no idea they were that but, expensive. Um, yeah, he's got like a lot Shapeway of stuff he's cr cranking out. It seems like every time I Shapeway turn around, there's something new. Super expensive. I mean, oh. I, it's nice to be able to, but if I'd rather pay somebody, you know, maybe at cost or whatever, how much it costs for them to to do it, than to go through Shapeways and get spend sixty bucks on six little tiny planes. Ouch. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah it makes no. the idea of getting your own resin printer start to be justifiable right <laughs> pay yeah, for itself yeah, after yeah. a few prints plastic crack resin crack i mean whatever, whatever flavor crack slash meth enter in, in in the shape of a tiny airplane you like yeah you know i think last time we were talking about planes i mentioned the ki-84 a few times and 
I think right around the same time he came out with a model for that. So I don't know. It's a good thing he didn't come out with a P63 because uh, I was kind of kicking that list around for a while. But we'll get to list building and stuff. I don't think I'm going to really have much chance to purchase anything, get it painted in time. I'm probably going to stick with my 109Gs, but we'll, we'll talk about some of that. Let's talk uh, any... Uh, let's talk hanger. Any new kit, mats, rulers, any any stuff you've purchased for your own table since we've last spoken? Uh, the the Panther box is probably about it for me. Yes, yeah, uh, some new planes. Know, yeah, yeah. Doug definitely dangled that uh, carrot in front of me, and uh, I just couldn't refuse. I like, yeah, shooting star, kind of cool, but I'm like, man, I want those Panthers so bad. I really want to play some Jets, and I just can't. I, I can't make myself play and buy metal planes. Not anymore. <laughs> it's either plastic or resin for me. I can't do that metal crap anymore. Um, but that's that's really about it. I saw that he also had like the, those JU-88Cs, I think. I think he had a box of those up there or something. So that's another carrot that I might have to you know, spend my somewhat hard-earned money on. That's cool. Before those 88Cs came out from Warlord, I bought a bunch from aim that i have to paint i think i have like four of them from malta that i haven't started painting yet um but uh, i like that plane it just um I've, I've painted up three of them i think so far and it's just a i have some warlords the old zvezda models that i painted up i think john hooked me up with some and uh, painted those up and they're um they're a cool plane i just they were fun to paint i just found them really satisfying once they were done they just look super cool and i've got probably four or five of them in the box to start on, but they're aim models. So at the time, yeah, 88s yeah. weren't available for more Lords anymore. Yeah. I, I missed the, uh, I missed the whole 88 thing. So I had to get my, my H E one elevens through aim and it was an old cast. And so the, the, even, you know, he, he told me, he's like, these are about as best I can get them. So they had some issues with the molding and like the rear tail, like, stabilizer i don't know what the hell the thing is called the the thing in the back of the plane <laughs> broke off in transit so i had to glue that back on and then some lady decided to uh slam on her brakes in front of me on my way to the game store and my box fell over and broke it again so that was fun and um i really wish i kind of got the ju88as but you know me i don't really care about it has to be the right platform it's like it's a ju88 it's gonna be a bomber yeah, I'll, I'll, run I, a, I'll run as a bomber I collect Luftwaffe, but I don't know enough difference if I was looking at an A or a C to tell you the difference. So, um, you know, they're 88s. That's what I know. <laughs> exactly. Hey, uh, talking about exactly. like stuff, traveling with your stuff to a game place and slamming on the brakes. I'm super stoked about Lead Pursuit foam for planes. So um, I don't know if I went through the proper channels, but uh, I know that we can order that stuff from the uh, from the website. And I gave Steve a list of all the planes I have already painted. And uh, I'm hoping to place my order for all the foam I need for all the planes I'm going to travel with the GOE. So I'm super stoked about that notion. So that's going to be new for me. I don't know if I mentioned it on the last podcast or not, but I got some mats for taking with me to GOE. I added to my mat collection. I got the um, Aerial Desert mat and the Aerial Fields mat from Deep Cut. And they are awesome looking. I got four by six neoprene. And one looks like, you know, like you're flying over the fields of France or someplace. And another one looks like you're flying over, you know, the Western desert. And uh, those will be on the tables for the tournament and our pickup games and stuff at GOE too. Cause I'm going to bring all my mats with yeah, me. Yeah. But your area fields, Matthew, I got the area fields also, but yours is like a new version of it, isn't it? It looks like it's for like a little higher altitude and kind of a little different coloring. The newer one is super cool looking. I think so. And you know what? I wanted to mention that because I found it to be, it was tricky to find on their actual website. So um, I discovered it from a Facebook post that um, Deep Cut put up announcing their two new aerial style mats. And they were those two, the aerial fields and aerial desert. And it, and it had a picture of it or whatever on the post. And it said something like, you know, click here to check them out. Well, when I went through that link on Facebook, no problem. It took me straight to them and I was able to put them in my my basket and purchase them. But when I just went straight to the website and tried to do that, I couldn't, I couldn't find them. I don't know that I, I don't know that I even could at all find them without that link. So, um, if I give any, you know, if I could give anybody advice 
any advice to anybody who may be looking for those, maybe do a search on Facebook for that Deep Cut Studios uh, announcement of those two mats and get them that way. I don't know what the trick was for finding them besides using that link. I just didn't easily discover them just searching through their through their stuff. So yeah, maybe it's something new and they haven't like added it to their or forgot somehow to add it to their catalog. I don't know, but it was tricky to find. But I'm happy with them. They look good, don't they? They really do. That uh that new version of it, the aerial fields with the little uh, just a little wider field of view on it. It looks like, yeah, I really, really liked it. Really cool, Matt. I still want to get the um, MIG Alley mat without clouds. That's my next purchase when I, uh, you know, I'm ready to sneak some sneak something by my wife <laughs> on on some airplane purchases. This is going to be one of those. But anyway, let's get to our main topic. We're going to talk about some more list building stuff. Now, I mentioned it's a carryover from our last conversation, right? We were going on and on about our list building ideas. Let's, one of the things that came up in that last conversation was this notion of, okay, if you've got poor quality, right? And that's going to put you at a disadvantage on scenario one. Is there any way you guys have thought of to mitigate poor quality when starting out in scenario one at the tournament? Um, let me, I don't know if anybody has... Let's see, I've got poor quality right here. Poor quality, just to, as a refresher. In scenarios where a die roll is made for starting advantage, like scenario one, you deduct minus one from the roll for planes of this type. So a lot of your planes may start disadvantage, which could suck, right? What do you guys think? Any ways to mitigate that? I think the top one would be radar support. Um, it's kind of like the... And in, in the very unlikely slash maybe possibility of your opponent taking jamming i think uh radar support is such a great card to have i mean you roll five dice potentially getting a success i mean you, you are playing the dice game but at least it gives you an additional chance uh, better odds to roll that six so that you can't start advantaged that's right um, for for those that are following along at home radar support allows you to make a maneuver test for each friendly plane and if you score a success, then that plane automatically begins the game at advantage. So really increasing your odds for getting a successful uh, roll for that advantage state. Now, in the context of GOE, theater cards like radar support, they're assigned to tables. So not every, not every table will have radar support as an option, but some will. And that's strong, right? There's also uh, was the ace card. I think it's Tactical Wizard. I think is I think it's I think that's it where it's um you get plus one to your roll or something. Um, I think yeah. Here I've got is. it. I've got Tactical Wizard right here. Let's see. I'm just pulling up the Ace cards. Let me find Tactical Wizard. Yeah, Tactical Wizard. Uh, what is it? Tactical Sorry. Wizard is when rolling to determine starting advantage. All aircraft in the Aces element add plus two to the roll. That's strong. It's okay. one of those Ace cards that makes your your. I mean, I, there's a lot of Ace cards that make your lower skill guys better. Maybe you can count that towards that. It's making everybody better. <laughs> okay, so that counts. That counts as a mitigating factor for. Uh, what about clouds? I think Steve, you had some ideas about clouds. Yeah, well, I think that I think we got to remember too. Uh, you also have doctrine, your Doctrine card for low-altitude performance, right? So that is going to get you out of disadvantaged if you can use that, right? That's right, because if you start advantage, as soon as you activate, especially if you have a faster plane, right? So you're activating before your opponent, perhaps. I'm, I'm imagining, like, you know, the guy's 18 inches away, and he's barreling after you. But if you're faster, as soon as you activate, you go immediately to neutral and go do something like dive into a cloud or fly somewhere where you're not a, it's not a problem, right? Yeah, correct. And you also have the uh, top cover doctrine card that you can take. So just don't put them on the board. Put your element in, put one of your elements in high cover and bring them on the board high cover. So that would mitigate it as well. All right. So if you my, if you could choose top cover as your one doctrine card and, and really do some shenanigans there then. My problem with taking like low up to performance just for having plane with poor quality is that you really, I mean, unless that plane has, let's say, you know, great dive. Um, you're, I don't think you're going to get 
as much use out of that card. I mean, you kind of will, I guess, if especially if you have planes, you know, disadvantaging you. I mean, you can always get get the usefulness out of it. But I think the bonus with Great Dive is how it it really shines. Yeah, I think um, you're right. I mean, if if you're kind of like don't really know what you want to take, you can take that. It's just you're. I don't think you're gonna get as much use out of it as possible. That's just how I feel about that. Uh, because I mean, you only have that one doctrine card, so you kind of have to make sure that your doctrine card jives with your aircraft card. I think. Right. That's kind of how I stumbled on the low altitude performance. It's really just an effort to make great dive better, right? Because I, the list I was running was great dive, great climb. And uh, so I'd latched onto that as being the best bonus for great dive. And I, I th- felt like I used it to good effect. I enjoyed using it. And, um, but it wasn't because I was trying to get low altitude performance. I used it because I was trying to make great dive better. But in this discussion about how do you get out of uh, poor quality being a problem, maybe if it has great dive. Yeah, low work. altitude also pairs with rapid roll as well. Oh, so that yeah, kind of open, opens it up to your 190 – your Hellcat, you know, stuff stuff like that as well. I don't think it's it's probably not a card that I would play. Uh, but, you know, like Trevor said, if you don't know what you're going to take, it certainly is kind of like that get-out-of-jail-free card if you have an emergency, you know? Yeah, it's definitely not an auto-take, right? But, you know, depending on your play style, it could be low altitude has some, spa- some place. How about deploying into clouds to mitigate poor performance yeah i think that's kind of you know the the great cheat way to do it right just toss them in a cloud uh but uh i think the one thing people often forget about clouds too is that they do break line of sight right so that comes up quite a bit so you might not even necessarily need to you know deploy in the cloud just break that line of sight, fly through the cloud, and then you kind of continue your turn neutral on the other side. So something to think about there as well. Remember that they always break up that line of sight. That's really what smart you could too. Do with that um, is that if if you really want to be kind of, I'm just thinking about this right now, is that you take your half speed, set up half speed away from the clouds, so that if you need, if you do start disadvantaged or even neutral. You can do that half speed, maybe ish, or if you're, or like say, uh, if you do start disadvantaged, move half speed up, use the cloud as kind of that line of that that line of sight blocking terrain, kind of like to use 40k like tabletop games lingo, climb so that you you again putting that nice little buffer between you and your opponent. Because more than likely, they probably won't be flying through the clouds to do, like, fly through clouds, burn advantage, come around on you. They're probably not going to deal with that too much. And it kind of uh, – that's how that's how I maybe use clouds. I wouldn't be setting up right next to the cloud or in the cloud. I don't particularly like doing that. That's just how I play, though. I don't usually play inside the clouds. Yeah. Seems like the big takeaway for me – I mean, on the whole deployment discussion – getting a lot of reps in might help me better visualize smart deployment. I think a lot of times I'm just kind of throwing planes on there and just hoping for the best, but these are all really smart things with the line of sight and where you position based on your speed. The big takeaway overall though, I'm thinking with the discount you get on poor quality, it could really be worth it. What do you think? I think definitely. It's definitely, definitely something to think about. I don't think I don't think it's a huge penalty. I think even if you don't use any of the kind of shenanigans we're talking about, just moving minimum move every turn gives you plenty of opportunity to get a plane up from that disadvantaged state. You know, so I don't think poor quality is is a huge penalty if you like the price and uh, the stats of the plane. Yeah, you get something with like two two eight with another really good trait like tight turn or something like that that really fits your playstyle. If it's poor quality, yeah, maybe it's you know you, you get a lot more points back in your pocket yeah, for this building. Yeah, what you can do is you can even set up depending on how aggressive your opponent's setting up. If they're if they're kind of setting up that traditional your side my side, get them right on the board edge. There's no, there nothing in the rule says that you have to deploy. You have to deploy this far away from the board edge. Just hug the board edge and just bump you know move your half speed climb move half speed climb and within you know two turns you should be ideally in an advantage state and now you can get into the fight 
I like it. Those are all good ideas. All right, so that kind of wraps up that discussion that was a carryover from last time. Any any new list ideas or new favorites that have come to mind since our oh, last discussion? <laughs> okay, let's hear it. <laughs> so recently I played a game against my buddy Eric. He was running um, Hurricanes, and I took 109Fs. So my list was a skill 5, skill 4, two skill 3s, and a skill 2. For my Doctrine, I took Loyalty Performance because uh, I wanted to try to test this out some more. Um, then I took um, uh, Superior Armament and um, I took uh, Supply Shortages and Drop Tanks. So at the start, I'm already putting a boom chin on him. Then, you know, I took Drop Tanks just kind of as, as a safety, just like just in case he, he wants to do the same thing. I can knock off that uh, that opening boom chip. I tell you what, though, the maneuverability three on the 109 Fs saved my bacon so much because I was able to. I whenever he shot at me, I was I was just maneuvering. I I could not fail a roll. I was very surprised. Um, and then the superior armaments. Well, it's I'm facing a robust plane, and my superior armaments is giving me plus one to my firepower. So now I'm two three eight for that one roll you do an armament check and actually i think i made like two or three armament checks and i was able to negate his robust on when he did robust my planes i was still firing you know three four dice and i i think i beat him like six boom chits to two um i was very happy with that list i i really enjoyed running the 109 f's i think it's a great plane for the points it's got really good stats and I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a true believer in the 109F right now. So I, I did the 109F in the last GOE and really enjoyed it also. And um, I had been flying in a lot of the campaign games with Steve, the 109Es, and it had only just started getting into 109Fs in our games and then built my list with Fs for GOE. And it just felt like, you know, such an advancement over the E. And anyway, I had a ton of fun with it. But as I started building my next list, I started thinking, ah, oh, you know, maybe I'll do G's just to pick up the one extra firepower. Because if I had to say anything bad about the F or the E for that matter, I love the agility. But man, I always or often want more firepower. <clears throat> Am I wrong going with the G to get the extra firepower? No, I've I run the G. Um, I think the G is, is just as good. Um, you do sacrifice the one maneuverability. But then again, a lot of the planes that we're playing against are probably going to move maneuverability too. There's not a ton of threes out there that you see, um, other than maybe Spitfires, um, because you know you have to have a Spitfire. Um, but there's a, I, I I played them twice, two or three times, and every time I I took high altitude performance instead. But um, I was like, I'm gonna try low altitude performance just in case, you know they want to try to disadvantage me i can you know pop up so just kind of use it almost like as defensive um sort of uh, way how'd you I, I need to make an, a retraction now that we're talking about high altitude performance last episode i said something to the effect of like you're i just misspoke uh i decided against high altitude performance initially as i was doing my list because i was thinking it's kind of situational to use it you have to be at advantage. And I think I said something like, you know, your opponent has to be advantage or something, which I just, you know, stupid me. But um, because of that kind of situational thought thing, I thought, oh, I don't know, but I've, I kind of go back and forth since our last conversation. I've, I've, I'm, st- I'm still high altitude performance curious. What do you think? Did you feel like uh, it really enhanced great climb for you? I feel like great climb by itself is so good. Tell you the truth, I, if- I forgot. I, I forgot to so many times. Like, Said, like you just said, great climb is just great as it is. So, I don't. It doesn't do anything extra for you. Whereas low altitude performance does get you. You know, if your ass is in a sling and you're like, shit, I'm disadvantaged. I don't want to get shot at. Then, or even if like you want, you want to get up to neutral because you have a disadvantaged opponent and you want to get shots on him. There's another great use of it. So it's offensive and defensive in a way. Whereas I feel high altitude performance 
yeah, you're going to get some mileage out of it, but I don't think you're going to get your money's worth like you would with law to performance. I'm loving this conversation because you know me and my 109s, but, and we had that deep dive on the 109s, and uh, I remember feeling, I think I said it, that I feel like the G is sort of the sweet spot, at least for the tabletop, right, in Blood Red Skies. I mean, you know, there's a whole historical acknowledgement that the F is sort of the pinnacle of the 109. A lot of historians say that. Uh, but, man, I feel like the G might be the real sweet spot for the 109 on the tabletop. And I may try to run a list of uh, 109 Gs for GOE. So, But I like your I, – I really like your list, and, and I am um, – Still debating because I had so much fun with the F list I ran last time. I don't know that I would even change it much. It was a lot like what you just described too. Uh, how about you, Steve? Any list ideas since our last conversation? Man, I got to tell you, I am more in doubt than ever of what I'm taking to this GOE. After our kind of day of playtesting and uh, you know just looking at the list, I, and then I decided in my brain that I wanted to – 100% I'm going to go with a firepower three. I just want to go with super firepower. Then I thought, no, 100% I'm going to go with something that has deep pockets so I could shake some boom shits. I don't know what the fuck I'm taking a GOA. I, I have no clue. I'm I'm lost. You were pretty high on that firepower thing, and I was I was kind of leaning that way too. It's still something that's kind of on my mind. And we were just talking about high altitude performance. I've been thinking about high altitude performance, but maybe paired with an ace that has set them up. Uh, it, it set them up is uh, an ace card that's when a friendly plane within six inches of the ace shoots at an enemy aircraft, the friendly plane adds plus one to their pilot skill when resolving the shooting attack. Um, I thought that that might have some merit, something to explore. But I'm still I'm real still loving that low altitude performance. Plus, I know your type with an ace. I was I was pretty dead set confident that I was going to take the 190A. I was almost certain of that. It's just so expensive at 47 points that it becomes super limiting to taking anything other than just like an ace, a four, and that small plane list. And I don't know if a four plane list that isn't like all aces because it's a 47 point plane can can be competitive. Yes, yeah, that um, might be a, a I, tall I think order. With with those lists, you're gonna have to play uh, the boom chip mechanic in the cards. Um, for instance, like mobile front is a great doctrine for that. Then you take like supply shortages and restricted airfields and drop tanks. So now you're putting two boom chips up front. You're knocking off one of his planes with restricted airfields, and then you have drop tanks to kind of protect yourself from that first opening boom chip that you're probably going to get from supply shortages from your opponent. So I really think that's, that's one of the few ways that that could work. Um, or you go hyper-aggressive, like my Corsair rocket list that I tend to run sometimes. Yeah, I think, I feel like these high firepower lists, especially multi-engine or whatever, could be really swingy. Maybe in some games you'll crush, and in other games you might just somebody might mop the floor with you i don't know I, I was kicking around an idea about doing something with the 110 110c list but uh i just i don't know if multi-engine is really going to be a good mechanic for a 500 point list i i'm no. back to thinking yeah no. i'm kind of back to a 109g list that's very much like the f list i ran last time i think would be fun if you did a multi-engine tournament that could be pretty cool so yeah, that's kind of an on the idea. Playing field, like yeah, one, yeah. you know, one tens, mosquitoes, lightnings. Uh, Steve can bring in his black widows, you know, that kind of stuff. I think that would be kind of fun because then you can really have a bunch of like chunky, thick boys duking it out. I think that could be kind that's of cool. cool. We'd have to come up with a cool name for it. I, I, but I, I like it. I like where your head's out on that. You know, a day of just like multi-engine stuff. That'd be just fun. So the uh, it's a swarm Eric over list just just in case uh, 
don't need to repeat it. Uh, it's two veterans, six workies, uh, drop tanks, mobile front, and swarm flying for the doctrines because eight planes, you can take two doctrines, supply shortages, and strong winds. So with mobile front, which is something that I didn't really know much about, and then I started seeing, I saw that pop up. It's, it's a pretty neat thing because um, with it, all friendly and enemy uh, squadrons start the game with a boom chip. Well, if you have a drop tank, you don't take the boom chip. Again, you're, you're using the boom chip mechanic to your advantage. Um, and swarm flying is pretty cool because if you deploy in four ship sections, um, you automatically begin neutral. So that's another really cool thing. So again, you're start you're starting in a better state or better chance to um start either advantage or neutral because you still i think you still roll for uh for what your advantage state is but you can't be lower than neutral so if you're neutral all you gotta do is go half you know fly up and climb because usually first turn most time we don't shoot up first turns anyways um Supply shortages, always a crowd pleaser. So now you're putting two boom chits on with mobile front and uh, supply shortages. And then as for um, strong winds, let's see here. Let me try to find it. Uh, right, so. I like strong winds. We did a little play testing and, and kind of had a little reckoning with strong winds. Yeah, so I mean, play this card during deployment. All enemy squadrons start the game with one boom chit, or all friendly squadrons disregard one boom chit gained during deployment. So you're you can you can knock on put three boom chits on somebody and start the game that's pretty fucking good that's nice I mean, now just for clarity uh in gathering of eagles you're limited to one doctrine however if you have seven or more planes because perhaps swarm you get two so that's where you could probably come up with the swarm flying and the uh, mobile front right yeah exactly so um you know you can combat the uh, quote-unquote perfect list of the Yak Swarm with an Air Cobra Swarm. Um, I think it's one of the few planes that that can take it that that will probably do better as a Swarm list because I think they hit... I don't have their stats in front of me, but I'm pretty sure they have better firepower or they have heavy hit or something um, for their uh, aircraft traits. I'm not 100% on those. At least I don't have the master list in front of me. It's got to be higher than Firepower 1. So I think you're onto something. That's neat. Yeah. That's cool. I mean, it's, I mean and Heavy Hitter is such a brutal trait. It is. Uh, I've, I've fought in Heavy Hitters a couple times, and especially when I was... Um, I remember one time I was doing an airstrike game, and I was Defender, and he brought... Um, the Japanese plane that has heavy hitter and uh, the Raiden, I think is what it is, has heavy hitter. And, oh, man, when that thing attacks the ground, you just kiss your targets. Good, You just kiss, you know, your truck convoy or whatever you're playing, <laughs> defending goodbye. Because the heavy hitter is brutal. I love it. That's awesome. Well, you know, one of the things I kept noticing as I was making my list, it seems like a lot of the times – the thing that makes a list work uh, really well or maybe to a particular in a particular way uh, at 500 points is the ace trait you might have like so if you're able to fit an ace and whatever trait whatever ace skill that ace has is sort of the linchpin for the whole way the thing works right do you guys feel that way as you're making your list it seems like a lot of times we're coming up with an ace in there to maximize something you know what i am actually I am starting to go the opposite way from that. I, uh, I would have agreed with you until just the last time we played, and now I'm starting to lean less towards the ace and save that 25 points and maybe squeeze another four into the list, uh, or you know, and rather than run an ace and a four, maybe get to run three fours. You know, I, I I'm finding that the ace cards for me personally are becoming less valuable than I had originally thought they are. All right. Well, let's spend some time really diving in just into the ACE cards. Now I've kind of divided up the ACE, some of the ACE cards 
into some categories, right? See what you guys think about this. So the first category are ace cards that make low skill pilots better, right? So this would be cards like Mother Hen, Set Them Up. I mentioned Tactical Wizard before, although it's not specifically for lower skill planes, but you kind of get the idea. But especially Mother Hen and Set Them Up, it does something to make your lower skill planes a little better. So the idea is, you know, you couple an ace with this skill and a bunch of low skill guys or lower skill guys, and it just virtually makes them better, right? Improves their skill. Okay, so the next, uh, the next category, if you will, are what I've been thinking of as sort of denial ace cards. So I'm thinking, I know your type, slippery, right? Because it makes it harder to shoot the guy. Cool under fire and tough. True grit, comeback king, and sixth sense. I think all of those in some way are taking something away from your opponent when they're trying to shoot you or outmaneuver you or do, or do, do something they want to do, right? It's taking something away from them. Now, the, the last category are ace cards that improve shooting, right? So accurate, set them up is kind of like that. Tail snapper, aggressive, precious seconds, Killer Instinct and Snapshot. Uh, last episode, I talked about Chicken Run, but I didn't realize it, but I guess Chicken Run isn't out yet, so forgive me for even mentioning that one. I guess I wasn't supposed to. <laughs> so anyway, those are all cards that in some way maybe improve your shooting. Are there any of those categories or any of those cards specifically that you guys really like if you like in an ace card? I know, Steve, you said you're kind of leaning away from ace cards, but do you have any like personal favorites when it comes to ace cards or ace skills? I do like I do like Mother Hen. I think that is kind of uh, very utilitarian, and I think that's one that you typically most people when you play are starting to get really good about kind of keeping their planes together, protecting against tailing. So I feel like Mother Hen is uh, a really utilitarian card that you have a lot of opportunity to use, which is something that I often struggle with the ace cards is so many times I have it there and I am missing, I'm not getting the opportunity to use them as much as I think I, I will. That is a heartbreaker. Yeah. Cause you spend so much points to get the ace. And then if the card just sits there and never contributes to the fight, it's, it just, I don't know. It feels like you got cheated, right? <laughs> How about you, Trevor? Any favorite A skills? Uh, I tend to go towards more of the defensive ones, like Mother Hen. Um, I kind of like those just because they're... I, I don't typically forget to do those. I mean, we all forget shit every once in a while, but I think for me, the ace is already rolling five dice plus whatever your firepower is. Um, I don't really see a need for offensive capabilities. I feel that the the aces really shine with their defensive possibility, like their defensive stuff, um, like tough and and that kind of stuff. And then their how they support their guys, how the synergy works with, especially with things like Mother Hen. Um, if you're dead set on running an ace, but you're not sure what to take, I think Mother Hen and like uh, I know your type, those kind of uh, traits are always you you're going to mostly get your use out of those traits. However, I don't know if you're going to be making your points back with the ace necessarily, because a lot of times my ace is not the one shooting down planes. A lot of times it's the threes and the fours doing all the work. Um, and the two is just doing his best not to get killed. Um, and I typically only run one ace. I don't normally run more than that. Um, again, for a point sink, I don't see the point in it. But if you're running things like Brewster Buffaloes, where they're, you know, 19, 20 points. I say go for it because. They think it all be aces. <laughs> yeah, exactly. P, shooter, P shooters, eight P shooters, all aces. <laughs> oh, yeah. Totally could. Why not? There's right. enough stuff out there to make them good. I haven't made a P shooter list, but that was the first thing I thought. I was like, how cheap are these things? <laughs> well, I, I, like you, think of, uh, I know your type and mother hand are kind of like top of the list for me, but I'm when I think of the aces, I think, you know, how do I make the rest of my pilots better but you're right um then what ends up happening is the guy with all the firepower dice potentially isn't doing any shooting right everybody else is doing it because you're using his 
you're positioning him so he could help everybody else be better. So that's a good point. That makes me kind of scratch my head and think again about things like tough and um, what is it? What's the other one? Uh, oh gosh, there's there's a couple that are very similar, if not exactly the same. Set them oh. up is another one that I've used before that re- works really well, I think, especially if you're uh, having him like with two twos or a three and a two because he's giving them that extra firepower. I do like that one. for quality of for quality of dice, but then that's when like Mother Hen kind of rolls in. So he's usually like I run my ace, and he kind of hangs around my lower pilot skill guys, um, or or if I like my one hundred nine F list, I had the one pilot skill two, who kind of stuck next to my um, my one hundred nine my my ace to kind of you know watch his back sort of thing. And then my threes will kind of go go off and do their own thing. Um, that's kind of usually how I position my aces. I don't typically put them with the higher pilot skill guys. I typically put them with the lower pilot skill guys. Right. Makes sense. I think if you were wanting to use an ace to do all the shooting, maybe uh, something like tough and... Um, I think snapshot oh is is one of those ones that works really, really well because how many times in this game are you just like, fuck it, I need to take a shot and it's it's a side shot. I mean, that's yeah, when that yeah. snapshot really, really makes his money back. I've taken tail snap before, and it is so situational. It, it's almost not worth it unless you're maybe fighting against something like bombers or something where you you better chance of getting on their tail. Right. Um, because tailing in this game is so freaking hard sometimes. Other times it just kind of happens. But if you're Steve playing – Steve and I played it – Steve and I played a game recently where I had t- uh, tail snapper and uh, – Man, when you get on their tail, it's brutal. But like you said, it's pretty situational, right? I don't. I was st- struggling to remember the card. It was um, tough and oh, it's killing me. I'm gonna get comeback it. king. Comeback king. That's right. Aren't they exactly the same or nearly so? Anyway, I was thinking if you want the guy to run around and do all the shooting, maybe that makes him more survival survivable, so he can continue to go do that. But I like your ideas about those things that maybe make him a little more shooty, like. Uh, you know, snapshot and all that, or heck, even just uh, I th- like ag- aggressive or accurate. Yeah, right? I think tail snapper can work if you take something like top cover or high cover, whatever it is, because then you're putting them on the board edge and they have a better chance of coming in and maybe getting uh, catching someone off guard. But if you're not running a list like that, I wouldn't. I feel it feel like a waste. It, it, at that point, it's like, well, why did I take this 100 point guy with a an ace trait that I probably won't use. Um, I think you have to kind of design your list around getting him into the positions that he needs to be in to shoot. Also, I mean, you're flying also, but how, how are you going to get him there? How you, I mean, there's a lot of factors going into it. And that's the thing I don't like about that, that ace skill. Whereas something like snapshot, I feel that a blade, those are blade of shots come up a lot more than a tailing shot so that's why you're going to actually get get the use out of that, that I, I uh, think card. snapshot has a lot of merit because yeah you're going to have a lot of opportunities to make some shots that are just going to be more effective right those snapshots happen often anyway that's cool well you know we had a brief discussion maybe it came up in our last episode i know when um steve came over he and i played some games and we were kicking around this idea about is there room in a 500 point tournament list for named aces. And, and I know my first reaction when I thought about it, I was like, Oh no way. It's not even worth looking at. Cause they're so expensive. Right. But then I started thinking about it. If the combination of the two ACE skills you get with a named ACE are beneficial and keeping in mind that you get with a named ACE also the bonus of a plus one firepower or plus one agility, does that then change the way we're thinking about this? So we tried some, and, uh, you know, I don't want to – spoiler alert. I don't want to ruin the conversation by saying I think it's too expensive, but I think it's too expensive. But Yeah, maybe, I'm with you on that can one. We, can we look at any of them or maybe let's I, talk about, like, what we wish we had I, in, in a name base? I, I think in general the problem with the name base is, like you said, it just – you're – most times, most named aces, you have one really good trait and then one that's kind of okay. So you're like, well, why did I pay 125 points for tough or, you know, set them up or something like that. I, um, and also, you need to pair them with a plane 
that is cheap enough that you can still have an effective squadron. So something right. like Alphalon, a 109E. You know, I think with like the German aces, you know, you gotta stick with a 109E or a 109F because it's cheap enough that you know 31 points. You're not taking such a huge hit um, in your list build, and I think with something with the Americans, kind of it kind of sucks because a lot of their planes are like the mid to high 30s. I think I think the P40 is like 35 or 37 points or something. So someone like Boynton, you're going to stick him. You're not going to stick him in a Corsair because the Corsair is 44 or 41 points. So that's just a waste of time. Um, I've even tried playing uh, Dortmund in the 109D. And the entire time I'm looking, I'm like, why did I take this guy? He did I, nothing I thought for he, me. I thought he was a standout among the, um, the German-named aces. He's plus one firepower, right? He gets Mother Hen and Killer Instinct, and he's 130 points. And um, I think for the points, that's not terrible. But again, can you really fit all that in there? Um, right, and it comes down to the. I think it comes down to the to the plane that you're flying, man. Again, I think it's going to be a. I mean, 120, 100, sorry, 130 points plus. I think I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the Fuck Wolf 190D is 44 points. So there's 174 points. Is he going to? Are you going to get 175 point, 175, 174 points worth of work out of that model? That's yeah. what you have to look at. And if you stick him in something like a 109E, he's 161 points, 160 points. It's not much better, but it's not as bad. Uh, you know, you kind of see what I'm saying. Like it's, yeah. I, it, I, I don't. I think the name base is, is a cool idea. It, in theory, it works in narrative. Um, it works in the scenario stuff. But if we're looking at building an effective, efficient list, named aces don't work. Yeah. But I will say this to a caveat to that: Saburo Sakai. If you're running like a zero swarm. You have to take Saburo Sakai. I don't care who you are. You have to take him because he's the only one that seems to work with that list. And I, um, I don't know if you saw in the show notes. I um, there's a my buddies and I were talking about it. If you take the Storm uh, Sturmbach equipment, I think it is what it is, um, where it takes it, you get rid of all your plane traits, but you get uh, robust and sluggish. So, and I know Saburo Sakai does something else for his guys. So basically, long story short, he does take the zeros from being vulnerable and not super great to being not bad. And he's a really good ace, too. Um, I think he gets his points back fairly easily. Well, that's cool. That's worth a look because uh, uh, zeros aren't shabby, I don't think. I, I think they have some merit. Um, it's the vulnerable that that kind of makes them not. I, I tend to want to stay away from things that are vulnerable. Just are they cheap I, though? Are they really yeah, inexpensive? I think they're around that thirty point mark. Ah, yeah. I guess the question is, can you outlast? You know, you're going to be racking up some booms probably faster than your opponent if you're vulnerable. I don't know. It's worth exploring. I haven't even looked at uh, zeros in that regard, but that's something to think about. That's cool. Now, I think the the way you get the most out of the combo on the aces on the name days is if you had if you had a combo of traits that, where it's always on what i mean by that is during your pilot's activation he's got an ace card an ace um skill that he could potentially use and in your opponent's activation he has an ace skill that he could potentially use so that no matter what's going on he's useful right a lot of the a lot of the ace skills so like don't mother work that hen, way like mother hen and like I know, like Mother Hen and set them up would be something like that, or yeah, Master Tactician because, and set them up, or I know your type in Mother Hen. Those would be some yeah, sweet combos, probably. So you have that offensive and defensive capability. So he's always constantly doing something, which yeah, that's 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 a really cool idea. I didn't think about that. I was thinking about you with a combo like tough and cool under fire. <laughs> uh, that, that, that would just be my my personal name flying around right right you know i was thinking about uh when i read pappy boyington's card 
I thought, oh man, I bet Trevor might like that one. What's he? He's plus one firepower. He's tough and comeback king. I don't know. I think you could make that work. <laughs> yeah, you, you probably could. I, I would throw him in a P40. It's just said that they're they're so expensive though. So they I don't are. know. I don't know really if they have room. But you know, this whole idea of you know exploring that started making me lean back towards maybe an ace heavy list. So I think I'm kind of going more in the way of a list similar to what I did last GOE but maybe going with 109 G's. So it could be a very similar list like that, or it could be G's that's ace heavy. And some of those ace combinations start to, I don't know, I haven't decided yet, but that's kind of, I think that's the most likely, that, that's kind of, that's what's bubbling to the top. A 109 G list that's either ace heavy or kind of more like the one I ran last time. So the 109 G list I've ran before, I ran two aces. I think it was like two aces and three twos or two twos and a three. Um, so you do kind of have take, take it on the chin when it comes to pilot skill level. But I took two unnamed aces and one of them was, or I took one regular ace and Hartman. I can't remember it top of my head. Um, didn't really get my points back, but I would, I would definitely play around with two unnamed aces. I think that could work. Um, and you could either, however you want to play them, do you want them to be your support guys to boost your, um, your lower pod skill guys, or do you want them to be super aggressive? Gotcha. All right. Well, that, so like that... you could have one of them be, uh, if, if you have him with like, I think, so don't quote me on this. So if you have the ace with his section and two political twos, I would make him kind of have him be my supportive guy, make uh, like mother hen and uh, um, uh, set them up and kind of, you with the other, with the other one with uh, the five and the three, he could be your snapshot because the three is, he's still rolling five dice with two firepower. So he's doing okay. Um, Whereas the twos kind of might need a little bit of help. So that's how you could run, maybe do something like that. Whereas the three is just there to support the five with his snapshots. And the five with the twos is there to support the twos and boost them, whether it's defensively or offensively. Nice. Well, we've covered a lot with the aces. Trevor, you, you mentioned some interesting things with the mobile front and um, restricted airfields, supply shortages. Uh, you talked about drop tanks and how you put that together with um, mobile front and make some nasty things happen potentially. Are there any other cards, you know, besides besides the aircraft trait stuff, uh, any other personal favorites, ace cards, equipment cards, doctrine theater cards that you guys are thinking about? Steve, you go first. Oh, man, you know what? I, uh, I'm... I'm really, really trying to find a way to get rockets in. If we're talking equipment cards, uh, I'm really liking that first, uh, you know, that little kind of extra oomph it gives you on that first attack. And I think if you take a faster plane with that, you might be able to kind of sneak up on somebody that's sleeping in deployment, get that bonus firepower, and get some get some early boom shit. So I think I think rockets is something I'm really leaning to. Uh, and as far as doctrine goes, man, you know, I hate to say it, but I think the season pilots, uh, it's done me wrong in the past, but I think I'm going to stick with the season pilots. I'm, I'm really liking it. Okay. All right. You know, I wrote a note here when I read, uh, what was it? Um, tail snapper, knowing how you were thinking about rockets, I wrote here. So I heard you liked rockets, and I wrote tail snapper next to that. Because remember when we played that game, you had rockets, right? We did a test game, and so you're framming me with lots of shots, lots of dice on your shooting. And then after the – no, it was my guy. It was my guy that did that, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, it was definitely your guy. Definitely we, your guy. Yeah, so I had the tail snapper. Okay, so it was like I expended all the rockets and all those dice. But then subsequently, after the rockets were expended, I was able to come back and basically do a, another rocket attack because I had tail snapper and I was on somebody's tail. I was like, wow, that was cool. It was like virtual rockets. <laughs> so anyway, I wrote that down next to you because I was thinking how you liked uh, the high firepower, firepower stuff. Uh, I'm kind of 
really still digging this combination of I know your type with the great climb. And and if I could squeeze Malcolm Hood in there, that, that was something I was liking last time with the Fs. I don't know if I can pull all that off with G's, but I kind of like that. I like uh, I like that combination. So that's so here's a question I'm going to throw out here. Is do you think that six planes is still going to be the sweet spot that people try to get to at GOE? And if it is the sweet spot, is outnumbered the card to take and take one more high skilled pilot and five planes? So you get that shake off that free boom shit every time if six planes is still the sweet spot. Ah, it's worth thinking about because one of the lists I'm looking at, there's no way I'm going to fit six in. If I go ace heavy, I can't do six planes. You know, last GOE, it really seemed like everybody was trying to get to the six plane mark, right? Just about everybody had six planes. So that if you take a five plane squadron, you know, you're you're basically getting a free boom shit that you can dodge every game with that outnumbered card. Oh, that's powerful. I, I made some notes after our test games. You know, because each table is going to be a little bit different, right? With the theater cards and stuff that are on there. And I have this note. If radar support's on there, always take it. <laughs> if uh, if strong winds is on the table, take it. And if you're outnumbered, so with strong winds, you get, I think you can either add a boom chit to your opponent or remove a boom chit from yourself. Um, I think the note I made is if you're, if you're uh, outnumbered, you remove a boom chit. Use it to remove a boom chit. And then the last one I have written down is kind of like, man, if that's on the table, better take it. Heavy flack. You got to experience some heavy flack in our game, didn't you, Steve? Dude, heavy flack has been just chewing me up lately. You got me with it in our game, and I just played a game against my dad over the weekend that I didn't even get to move an aircraft and I was out of the game. I rolled crappy to start the game. My two of my guys started disadvantaged, and they both got shot down with, with heavy flak presence. So, like, yeah, if heavy flak presence is available on the table, it is a must take. Absolutely. One of the things I'm really starting to appreciate with the the way the tournament rules are for Gathering of Eagles, it's a game within the game because when you come to the table, there's a die roll to determine you know whoever wins the die roll gets to choose whether they're an attacker or a defender. And that determines what's available to you for the for your um, theater cards for that table. So, you know, if you know what you need, if you know your list well enough to know kind of what you need, especially like when you glance over and see what your opponent has, you're thinking probably, okay, if I win this, you need to be able to know, okay, if I win the dice roll, this is what I'm getting because I want these cards, or if I lose this dice roll, you know, so you kind of have some sense of what you're going to get. Uh, I think that would be, that would give a player an advantage if they have a better sense of how to get the most out of the doctor or the theater cards that are going to be available to them when they come to the table at deployment. Those are some of the notes I made about those heavy flack, man. I like it. So cool. Um, that pretty much is the end of my notes for, we have for, uh, for all this um, discussion now, it's taken us two episodes to cover down on all the things we kind of wanted to cover. Anything I'm missing, guys? Anything you want to... Uh... Poorly trained opponents is an awesome theater card, I think, personally. I think it's one of those ones where you can definitely get some mileage out of it. And if you don't know what you want to take, take poorly trained opponents and just piss off your, your opponent. Yeah, when in doubt, take poorly trained opponents. I don't have the list in front of me of what's available at each table, but um, I know when we did some of our test games, we tried to pretend we were just, okay, let's do this table, you know, and play through that. And it was we there were some insights from the couple of games we played on theater cards. So I think, bef- you know, maybe before I get to the GOE, I need to make sure I look over that portion of the packet and maybe wargame it, at least in my head, what kind of decisions to make when it comes time to uh, pick theater cards, not, not have it be a surprise when I get there day of, right? Exactly. Yeah, no doubt. That's cool. All right, guys. Well, um, you know, this is the end of our episode. Generally, we end up with uh, a debrief, which we talk about listeners' questions. I can't think of anything specific that I've seen that's been 
asked of us, but I have noticed that there's been a lot of discussion lately about uh, MIG Alley and who's playing MIG Alley and what are your thoughts on MIG Alley? I think it's because what there was a big sale for the MIG Alley sets, right? Everything that's metal is going on sale, I think. Is that why that's happening? Yeah, it looks like they're clearing out clearing out the metal stock. And uh, man, talking jets, we got those missile rules, right? So that's that's, right. Uh, that's another topic. So um, I can't answer any listener questions about missiles. However, I do know that Doug has recently posted up some scenarios and stuff that have some missile stuff in it. They are, as I understand it, no way like official Warlord game stuff. But hey, it's an opportunity to explore some ideas surrounding some missile mechanics. And as I understand it, it's pretty cool and, um, you know, maybe pretty accurate to the way early missile stuff kind of work. And so I haven't played it myself, but I was in a conversation about it and I was kind of impressed in what I heard and what I understood about the way they work to think to myself, well, yeah, so the missiles aren't going to be, aren't going to define your game, but they might give you an extra, you know, they might, they might help you. They might not, but that's kind of how I feel like missiles ought to be, at least in the early, these early missile stages. So we'll see who knows how missiles will go as far as like official rules and stuff, but, um, give those things a try, get on the, find that, um, find that link to those scenarios and stuff and give them a try and see what you think. And, uh, also of course, we've mentioned it many times, gathering of Eagles coming up in June, join us. It's going to be amazing. It's not going to just be tournament stuff. There's going to be plenty of opportunity for some just general pickup games, some historical scenario play. Steve and I are going to probably be running around showing off some, uh, some of the new campaign rule set stuff that we've been working so hard on in the past year. So if you're able to make it, please come out. It looks like attendance is, is uh, pretty darn good. I think we're getting most everybody that was there last time and plenty more coming. So it's going to be great. I can't wait. Any last thoughts guys? No, man, that just about covers it. And like you said, uh, we spent a lot of time talking about tournament play, but there's going to be a ton of scenario, a ton of pickup games. Come on out. Join us. It's, it's going to be fun. Yeah, man. It's going to be great. Can't wait. So thanks again for joining us for another episode. And uh, please send your questions to us, uh, comments. Uh, catch us on our Instagram page or, of course, our Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, have a great one. So I uh, – I, I got to go to an attack helicopter regiment, and I was, I was assigned to the scout platoon. So I'm like an acting lieutenant. I shadowed a platoon leader around, and I was like, I had a giant heart on the whole time. It was like, this is exactly what I want to do, right? If I could fly, I want to fly attack helicopters, and, you know, scout, the scout platoon of an attack helicopter regiment. That's pretty ballsy, right? I was like, this is fucking amazing. And it was. It was super cool. And, like, all the stuff about flying and maintenance and all that was super awesome. And people are like, what the fuck's wrong with you? You went to Embry-Riddle. I could have gone any branch I wanted because I was at the top <laughs> of my class. And I went, fucking infantry. Like, are you stupid? <laughs>